Witness protection can't erase his past. This is Nailgun Messiah, the first book in the Micah Reed series. One novel, read to you a chapter at a time. Join us each week for a new installment of the story and get the book at jimheskett.com forward slash nailgun podcast. And now, the host and author, Jim Heskett. Ah, hey friends, welcome to July, and happy Friday. Doesn't July have that new month smell to you already? Um, Alright, well I gotta be honest with you, it's not actually July as I'm recording this because I'm kind of a time traveler, I'm going uh, into the future, or if you're listening to this, I guess it's actually in the past. Um, either way, it doesn't matter because it's it's only June when I'm recording this, but I just wanted to say happy July anyway. In real time, as I'm recording this, I'm waiting for to get um, Micah Reed book number four back from my editor. The book is called Snitch, and it is a prequel to the Micah Reed series, and I'm very excited about it. I think it's the most um, uh, intense and the most uh, plot-twisty and the most action-packed and cliffhangery book of the series so far. I'm very excited to share it with everybody, and that's coming out in August of 2016. And maybe now is a good time to do like a little recap of the whole series, tell you guys all the what all the books in the series are. Um, so first up, there's actually, so Nailgun Messiah, which we're reading and we're a little over halfway through, um, is actually book one in the series, but there is a book zero in the series. And I know that's a little confusing, but book zero in the series is called Airbag Scars, and it takes place about three months before Nailgun Messiah. And you don't technically have to read them in chronological order, but I, I would like people to read them in that order. Um, so I, I think Airbag Scars sh- could be the first book you read, but you can read Nailgun Messiah first and then go back and read Airbag Scars, and it you won't lose anything. I mean, Airbag does contain a little bit more about information about where Micah came from. Um, and then after, so it would go Airbag, and then Nailgun Messiah, then Sallow City, then Blood Thief, and Snitch, the newest book that's coming out in August of 2016. Snitch takes place before Airbag Scars. It's a total prequel back to Micah's time in the Sinaloa. But I don't necessarily think people need to read that before they read the other ones because you're going to see a very different Micah in that book. His name isn't actually even Micah in that book. He has a different name, the name he was born with. And I don't know that if you started, I think you could start with that book, but you're going to see a very gritty, a very angry, a very drunk um, Micah read. And I think it's probably better if you read a couple other books in the series and get to know the new Micah, get to know how he is now before you go back and read it. Writing a prequel has been very challenging because, uh, you know, if you've read the other books in the series, you know how the story ends. So I had to really work to find some ways to make it surprising, to include some plot twists and to, to make the story feel fresh and feel like even though you get the general idea of how it's going to end, that there would still be surprises along the way. So... Airbag Scars is a story about Micah who wakes up from a blackout. He's crashed his car, and he wakes up from a blackout, and it basically begins on the first day of Micah's sobriety. And Airbag Scars is about... Basically about Micah trying to piece his life back together 
while trying to figure he's trying to get sober and he's trying to figure out what happened the night of his blackout the night of his last drunk because something bad happened and he doesn't know what it is and there's a there's a big twist in the first chapter of the book that I don't want to give away but it's basically there's there are three interweaving stories between Micah a woman named Hayden and another person who makes an appearance early on in the book and I don't want to say but it's someone from Micah's past And so these three stories intertwine, and then they all combine at the end of the book. Book one in the Micah Reed series, Nailgun Messiah, is the book that we are reading right now, and I don't feel like I need to tell you what that's about. Book two is called Sallow City. It takes place a few months after Nailgun Messiah. And at the beginning of the book uh, is there is a corpse in a morgue that looks exactly like Micah Reed. And I don't know how much more I want to say about that, but I will say that the book then goes on to feature Frank, who, if you remember, Frank is Micah's boss and AA sponsor. And this this corpse is in a morgue in Flint, Michigan, and Frank goes to Flint to try to figure out what's going on. And I'm, I don't really want to say anything else about it. If you really want to get spoilers, if you go on like on Amazon and read the reviews, there are plenty of people spoil the um the book and the reviews. So I don't know why people do that. It, it irks me. Why I try, like if I'm looking, if I'm shopping on Amazon for a book, I will go see how many reviews they are, maybe the, the star average, but I won't really read the reviews because people spoil stuff so often in reviews. Anyway, that's a tangent I don't really want to get into. After Solo City, book three in the Micah Reed series is called Blood Thief, and it's a story where Micah is back in Denver. It takes place a few months after Solo City, so obviously by the nature of that, you know that that corpse in the Morgan Solo City is not Micah. Obviously, duh, because there's more books after that. But Micah is back in Denver in Blood Thief, and he gets a request from his neighbor. His neighbor's in trouble. His neighbor in the condo he lives in in Denver is in trouble, and he decides to help her which gets Micah caught up in this big web of conspiracy where he's not really sure if anybody is who they say they are. Then the book after that, which I already mentioned, is book four is called Snitch, and that's the one I'm writing right now. The next book in the series, I had this idea for it. It was all plotted out, and then just a couple days ago, I had a different idea that reached up and grabbed me. So I'm going to scramble to get that ready. Hopefully I'm thinking book five, which doesn't have a title yet, uh, book five, I'm hoping for it to be ready and released before the end of 2016, like November or December, just in time for your holiday shopping. All right, so that's enough of my rambling. Let's do a little recap of the story, and I'll tell you what you need to know for the previously on Nailgun Messiah so we can get into our reading for this week. We're going to read two separate scenes today. One of them takes place at the house, and one of them takes place at the hardware store. So if you remember recently, and okay, hold on one second here. If you haven't listened to any of the previous episodes, if this is your first Nailgun Messiah podcast episode, please, please stop now. Go back to the episode titled NMP01 or NMP Part 01 and start from there because I'm about to give you a big spoiler and you really don't want to start this book in the middle of it. Anyway, so if you remember last time the gang all went to see Cyrus and right before that, Micah figured out that Rodney... His housemate wasn't actually who he said he was, that Rodney was actually an ATF agent who's undercover in the house. And then also, if you remember recently, Micah tried um, to show Magda some computer printouts from Lila's computer 
that he found where she was looking up religious cults and mind control and Magda wouldn't listen to him. So Micah still has not been able to get Magda's attention because the ultimate thing that Micah wants is to get Magda out of this house. So we're going to pick up with that reading now. There's two separate scenes here and I'll go ahead and get started. Cool. Early in the morning, Micah sneaked into Rodney's room, waiting in the dark until his eyes adjusted to the slim moonlight filtering in through the window. He snapped his fingers. Rodney shot up out of bed like a rocket, and Micah waved his hands to get Rodney's attention. He didn't think Rodney had a gun on him, but better safe than sorry. What the hell are you doing in here? Rodney said. Keep your voice down, Micah whispered. I need to ask you something. Rodney picked up a watch on the nightstand, grunted, then dropped it back dragged a sloppy hand across his eyes, spit it out. How much time do I have? How long before your guys come in? Rodney sighed. I can't give you an exact time frame because even I don't know for sure. But I can tell you this, it's days, not weeks. We're getting things ready. They're waiting for me to find something concrete. But even if I don't, they're still going to move. Can you hold the ATF off until I get Magda out of here? I'm sorry, Micah, I can't promise that. Some constraints and deadlines are out of my hands. Micah wanted to press, try harder to convince Rodney to give him more time, but knew it would do no good, so he hung his head and backed out of the room, defeated. As he left, Rodney offered him a conciliatory frown, a crappy loser's prize. Nothing could stop the machine of the ATF raid now. Micah's mouth felt dry and his hands were sweating. Something had to change, and soon, or his whole world would crumble. On his way to work, he decided to make one last plea to Magda, but he didn't have a better argument than he'd had last time. If she didn't flinch at Lila's mind control research, what kind of emotional appeal could he make to get through to her? His proposal would have to be something special. One option arose, but it was an endgame-only type move. He could tell her about Rodney and the ATF raid, and that might be the nugget that finally broke Lila's hold on Magda. But there was always a chance that Magda might go directly to Lila with that information. She hadn't blabbed about the computer evidence, so maybe she wouldn't tell about this either. Was he willing to take that risk? Gamble everything on a last, all-or-nothing move? Micah drummed his hands on the steering wheel, batting out an anonymous song rhythm so intently that pain shot up his forearms after a few seconds. His brain spun like the spokes of a bicycle wheel. Yes, he would take the risk. He had to, because he was running out of options and he was running out of time. He got to work early, but she wasn't in the break room. He recognized her coffee mug, the crimson and white Oklahoma Sooners mug, sitting in the sink. He searched up and down the aisles for her and found nothing. Then he poked his head out one of the back doors, and there she stood, with a cigarette between her lips. Her hair fell in lazy chunks across her face. Still smoking, huh? Mom would be disappointed. Leave me alone. Oh, well, at least you're talking to me now. Do you remember that 4th of July? I think you must have been 15. You were past the fence, smoking, and Dad came outside looking for you. She didn't answer, but he saw the tinge of memory on her face. You actually ate that cigarette, remember? How you moaned about your stomach aching for the rest of the day? She threw the cigarette on the ground and stomped on it. Why did you come here? Why did you have to invade my life when everything was going well for me? He stepped outside, letting the door slam close behind him. Ah, oh, Mags, 
You can't see what's in front of your face. This is not a life that's going well. I don't know what you expected when you moved into that house, but you've gotten mixed up with a bunch of nuthouse loonies. There are things going on that you don't know about. What don't I know about? Micah froze. Should he tell her? What if he was wrong and it didn't work? He needed to do it, but couldn't make his mouth form the words. Instead, he said nothing. Tears streamed down her cheeks. Looking at your face is like getting kicked in the stomach. Why did you abandon me? Why did you do it again? Her words were like a knife in his chest. Yes, he'd abandoned her. He'd gone into witness protection and disappeared from her life, apparently when she needed help the most if a religious cult was the kind of place she'd sought out for healing. She hadn't said anything untrue. But the again remark hurt the most, and he deserved it. He inched closer to her, and she took a step back toward the street behind the hardware store. Magda, I'm so sorry. What I did that night wasn't right, and you didn't deserve what happened to you. I know I need to make amends for that. You left me there with those people, she said through a veil of tears and snot. Do you know how excited I was to go that night, to go to a real upperclassman party? And you left me because you didn't give a shit about me. Do you know what they tried to do to me? The pain seized his chest, not phantom, but a real chest-constricting ache. He struggled to breathe, had to put his hand on the cold door behind him to stay upright. I left you there because I was drunk. I forgot I'd taken you with me to that party. Magdalene, I am so, so sorry. If I'd known they were going to try to hurt you, I never would have taken you there in the first place. It's easy for you to say you're sorry now, isn't it? You're not the one who was almost raped. Micah felt woozy now, and he spread his feet to steady himself. Facing all this was almost too hard. You're right. Saying sorry isn't good enough. Making amends is about correcting a wrong. And I can't go back to that night in high school and stop those guys from hurting you. But I can make up for it in a different way. She wiped a rough hand across her face, smearing her makeup. I don't see how. He held out his hand. Let's go. We'll hop in my car and go back to Denver. I can help you out with money, and you can go anywhere you want. Back to mom and dad, or somewhere else anywhere but here. She looked at his hand, then crossed her arms and pivoted away from him. I'm not going anywhere with you. The pain in his chest turned into bolts of anxiety. He was going to have to tell her. He cleared his throat, felt his breakfast rumble up from his stomach. Micah felt around for the familiar bump of Boba Fett's head resting in his pants pocket. He ran his thumb back and forth across it. The... The ATF are watching the house. They're going to raid it and take everyone to jail. You can't be there when that happens. I know you haven't done anything, but that doesn't mean you won't get caught up in it. If they take you to jail, then it's out of my control. Her mouth dropped open. You never should have come here, and I don't want you around me anymore. I'm going to tell Lila that you need to go. Now leave me alone. She brushed past him and fled into the store, leaving Micah alone in the cold, gray morning. Micah stumbled through the hardware store's back door and into the storeroom, his head and heart both thumping so rapidly he could barely think and see straight. 
He had to brace himself against a pallet of lawnmower parts for a few seconds to get his bearings. His throat closed up as if invisible hands were squeezing it. All of his plans were collapsing into ruin. He'd used the nuclear option by telling Magda about Rodney and the ATF and she'd barely batted an eye. No movement. If the threat of going to federal prison wouldn't work, then he didn't know what would. He had no reasonable weapons left to use. Now, he had to resort to something drastic. An idea formed, but one so crazy it seemed like the brainstorming of a mental patient. And once he did it, there would be no going back. Everything else would blow up and he'd have to leave it all behind. In a minute or two, he calmed down enough that he could walk. As he resumed his post in the tools aisle, his eyes fell on a suitable weapon on a workbench, charged up and ready to go. He ran through his plan, and damn sure it was insane, but it might be the only option he had left. While he was considering it, the judgmental purple-haired kid from gardening crossed his path, carrying a bundle of garden spades wrapped with twine. The kid paused in the tools aisle and smirked at Micah. Still here? Not now, Micah said. I can't deal with you. Instead of leaving, purple hair rested against a shelf full of circular saws and shifted the garden spades from one hand to the other. I heard you failed your background check, or it came back as fraudulent. What's up with that? Micah's blood boiled and he gritted his teeth. I am not kidding you. I don't have time to deal with you right now, so why don't you go back to gardening? I'm sure a little old lady needs help lifting some big plants or something. The kid's smirk turned into a full grin. I figured you would have gotten fired by now, but Walt's always been a little slow on the uptake. He can't spot a poser as quick as I can. The notion of picking up a cordless drill and bashing in Purple's hair's nose danced in Micah's head. Too tempting. If this kid didn't leave soon, Micah might do something rash, and that would blow up his last and only option. You... Better walk away right now or I'm going to ram one of those garden spades up your ass. I am not joking around with you. Jeez, Mr. Bible Thumper, that doesn't sound very Christian of you. I thought you guys were good at, like, turning the other cheek. Micah could see the kid wasn't going to leave, and he didn't have any time or energy to deal with him. He shook his head and escaped to the back storeroom to use the phone there, the same phone he'd have been using to check in with his sponsor and boss Frank every few days. Didn't even care if anyone might see him this time. He dialed Frank's number, his hands shaking so much he could barely stab out the numbers on the keypad. If he didn't get this trembling anxiety under control, none of this would work. Frank, he said as soon as the call connected. Micah, my young mountain hippie friend. I was starting to wonder if I was going to hear from you again. Wait, before I forget, let me tell you, I, I called your cell phone voicemail like you asked me to. I got a couple messages. Want to hear about him? Uh, I don't really have... I mean, sure, sure, Frank. Yeah, hold on one second. Sound of papers shuffling in the background. That, that girl, Allison, the one you took the coke heat for, she called from Maine or Massachusetts or something. I couldn't understand a damn word that young woman said. But she's fine and staying with family out east, so there's no problem there. But the guy looking for the coke... He left you a couple messages, too. He's on the warpath. I did some digging, and it seems he has deep ties to more than one big-deal Denver gangster. Thanks for looking into that, Frank. But, but listen to me. I need you to come up to Netherland and do something very important. What? Why? 
My sister is in some real trouble here, and I need to get her out of town. I've got a plan, and I don't even want to tell you because it's so crazy, but I think it might be the best option available. But either way, this has to happen right now. We've only got a day or two left before some bad shit is coming down the road. Serious, game-changing stuff. Uh, okay, sure, kid, whatever you need. Pull up in front of Walt's hardware with the car running and the passenger door open. Do you know Walt's? Uh, I think so. It's near the visitor building, right? Yes. Yes, it's across from the carousel. I'll be with Magda. She's going to be injured, and we're going to need to get her to a hospital in Denver as soon as possible. Frank balked. She's going to be injured? What does that mean? Frank, Frank, please, I don't have time to explain. I'll wait for you, but you're going to need to leave as soon as possible, and we're going to have to leave from here as soon as you get here, like a snatch and grab. All right, kid, you got it. I'm on my way. Micah slipped the phone back into the cradle and returned to the tools aisle. Purple hair was gone. He spent a minute breathing in through his nose and out his mouth, willing his body to settle down. He needed steady nerves to accomplish this task. He lifted the nail gun, double-checked that the battery was fully charged, slid back the spring, and pushed a rack of nails into the slot. Okay, whew, tension's really building up there at the end, right? What's going to happen next? Is Micah going to go up and shoot his sister with a nail gun? That sounds crazy, right? Seems like he's out of options, though. Told her about the ATF, and she'd barely batted an eye. And we also got to find out what this secret um, bit of connection in the past between Micah and Magda was. It happened all the way back in high school. We've been teasing that for a couple weeks. Um, all right, so like I promised, I was going to stop hyping after the fact, and so I'm going to stop doing that now. And that is it for this episode. Now listen to the British guy say some words at you. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's installment of Nailgun Messiah. Be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes and tell your friends about it. Don't deprive them of this show. Go to www.jimheskit.com forward slash nailgunpodcast for information. And we'll see you next week.